Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello and welcome to Parenting in Real Life. This is episode 51. We're ancient. <laughs> Alan always tells me that, that I'm ancient because I'm almost a year older than him. So he likes to tell me that. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I don't when we're the same age. Yeah, for the one month that we're the same age. I'm not ancient, but then when I have my birthday, Oof. all of a sudden I'm way older. <laughs> Our real-life parenting moment happened tonight that actually Alan experienced. So I bit Nathan. <laughs> I would, do most stories start out with your house? Because that's how they start out in ours. Somebody bites somebody. Even the dad. Mom is excluded. Absolutely. Um, me and Nathan were wrestling, and I bit him in a friendly way. In a way that <laughs> he didn't made, draw blood. In a way that made him laugh. But then he got mad at me. For sort of unrelated reasons. And so he storms off to Alexis, who's in another room. He said, I'm going to tell mom. I'm going to go tell your wife. <laughs> I like that. It like shows like, you're the adult here. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the one biting me. I'm going to go tell your wife. <laughs> Rongo bongo. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. I could hear him say it down the hall. So we both started chuckling. <laughs> it was funny. And now for a quick break. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about parenting. (laughs) 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 Um, We're super prepared today. (laughs) No, we totally are. I've got legit notes on this one. So I recently listened to a podcast. um, It's called the 3 and 30 Podcast, if you've heard of it. Um, Really great. I love it. And on there... um, the girl who hosted is Rachel and she interviewed Catherine Reynolds Lewis, who is a journalist and a parent educator. She wrote a book called the good news about bad behavior, why kids are less disciplined than ever and what to do about it. So she talked about how kids are harder to raise today and talks about why, and then what we can do about it. So I thought it was super interesting and thought that we could talk about that today. Um, when Rachel started her podcast, she read an excerpt from her book and I don't, I didn't quote it exactly, but this is pretty much what she said. Um, she said that when she was a child, the author, Catherine, um, she was a typical good girl who wanted to excel in school and please adults and would be found reading quietly in her spare time. Her children were entirely different natural extroverts. They burst into a room with a ton of energy. It was understandable for them not to be able to sit in their seats at dinner when they were two or three, but even at eight or nine, they couldn't sit still for more than a few minutes. When Defiance crept in, she tried tons of different discipline techniques to help, timeouts, sticker charts, counting to three, and others to get them to do what she wanted, but they were only temporary and new things would happen. I felt like this totally described my life. (laughs) That was totally me as a kid. I was the good girl. I wanted to do well in school. I wanted to please my parents. I loved to read. That's usually what I did on my spare time. And our kids are the opposite of that. Like they 
don't necessarily want to please. They don't love to read. <laughs> they have tons of energy and are way more extroverted than we are. Al and I, have, we've talked about how both of us had anxiety as kids. We were more quiet, more timid, and we don't seem to have any of those um, kids. And so I was really intrigued. I'm like, okay, this is this is how I feel. Like our kids, they can't sit still for more than a few minutes, even our oldest kids. So why is that? She said that in her research, she found that it actually is harder to raise kids today. And why is that? It's because of the world that they're growing up in is so different than any other previous generation. Um, They have a harder time regulating their emotions, their thoughts and behaviors, and rates of anxiety and depression have increased. She talked about how the suicide rate has increased 50% in children 10 to 14 years old and 41% in teens 15 to 19. And I know this has been a big topic of conversation, especially in Utah. Um, Our local high school has had um, a lot of issues with suicides, and that makes me nervous as a parent. Um, And we've also talked about anxiety on previous podcasts. If you wanted to go back to episode 35 or 29 um, of our podcast, we've talked about if your child suffers from anxiety, some things that might be helpful for that, since Al and I have... um, both had experience with that personally. Um, But the good news is, is that these things like that your children are going to, are going through and experiencing, it's not just your kid. This is normal for kids of this time. And so she wanted to, to talk about the things that can help with that. I like this. Oh, good. (laughs) I know this is, this is going back to Alexis does the prepping and Alan Helps record. <laughs> I'm just learning with all of you. But it's not it's validating to hear that we're not alone. My first inclination, if it's so much harder now, part of me is like, well, take away all the stuff that makes it harder. You know, like mm-hmm. why don't you just get rid of the phones and the screens and the everything else? Like it sounds like a lot of the things that make it harder are things that we artificially like we choose to do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we can't, I mean, those are things are part of society now. Like we can't get rid of social media or the internet or screens because those are a part of not just entertainment, but jobs and school. Like all of those things are involved and, and your kids are going to see things when you're not there, even if they're not in your house, you know? And so I feel like I really like what she talked about because we're going to go through the three reasons why our kids are this way and then how to help them. And the how to help them was not take screens away, which really surprised me um, because, like we said, they're they're just a part of our world now. We live in a screened world. Yeah. And so we just have to teach our kids how to use them correctly and how to regulate themselves um, so that they can function in society. Because, you know, like in our jobs – I don't know if you personally do social media, but I have. That's been my job. Like, I've been a social media manager. We have to use the computers to pay bills and we get emails and, you know, it's just around us all the time. That's fair. Cool. I like it. You're good. So the first thing we're going to talk about are the three overarching reasons why kids today have less ability to regulate their emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Number one, there's not enough unstructured and outdoor play. I agree with that. I think they play outside less than, you know. We did as kids? Maybe. I watched 
plenty of TV growing up. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't have personal devices, but we would come in and watch TV after school and stuff. I feel like our kids actually don't really struggle with this. Um, our kids really like to be outside. I know with a lot of kids with screens and video games and stuff, they'd rather do that inside. But our kids actually like to ride their bikes and they like to be with their friends and play in the backyard and stuff. So this one is actually okay for us. During the summer. During the summer. And the winter is hard because it's nobody wants to be outside when it's freezing. That was true when we were growing up. So what did you not do when you. You, when you were – yeah, not for me. California was nice all the time. We always played outside. <laughs> but what about you? When you when it was snowing, what did you do? You didn't have personal uh, devices, but did you just uh, watch TV? Probs, I guess. I don't remember my childhood. <laughs> but we talked about in previous episodes that it's actually – watching television is better for your brain than being on – like playing games on a personal device. So even though we were watching TV more as kids, yeah. it still didn't melt our brains like <laughs> the games do now. Good. Good. Go technology. We also tried to um, create outdoor opportunities for our family. Um, Alan really likes to hike. That's not my favorite thing, but she, she's, <laughs> I come she's, along. <laughs> she's getting better. I'm getting better. So we go on walks. Um, Alan also really likes camping. And so we're planning on doing that more this summer. Um, often the hikes they do start with complaining. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Usually we have at least one grumpy kid. They usually end with complaining. They usually end with complaining too, that that was too hard. In the middle they enjoy it, and then afterwards they talk about that they enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's definitely not free of grumpiness, but I think it's but worth even it. even screens come with complaining. Like nothing's complaint free when you have kids, right? Like it's not bad. I prefer it. I prefer that's why I love to get out because I, I like my kids better when we're out doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Number two is the growth of media and technology. So we've talked a lot about this. This was um, in our episode 45 um, when we did our screens, a week without screens. Mm-hmm. Our kids don't have phones, but they all do have tablets. Something that I've noticed that our kids have mentioned already is that other kids have phones and they've seen things on, like on the bus, like the kids will show them things on YouTube, which we usually don't let our kids on YouTube just because you can't filter it and you don't always know what's going to pop up next. YouTube's the worst. Don't (laughs) let your kids watch YouTube. It is the worst. (laughs) Bad people are trying to ruin kids on YouTube and YouTube makes it way too easy to do it. So not worth it. So with that, with, you know, where other kids have access to it, then we necessarily don't want our kids to have access to. um, It's important to always be having conversations with your kids about screens and about what they're seeing and to follow up with them often um, because more likely than not, they will see something that's inappropriate. But if, if you have that open conversation, then they can talk to you about it. If you're always talking about it, um, they're more likely to bring it up and say that they've seen things that they shouldn't be and be prepared for that. Um, and I think too, where social media is hard for adults. I mean, even we, especially women, you mean like it affects you. Negatively. Yeah. Yeah. It affects us. Like we struggle with the things that we are seeing on Instagram with how we feel about things. Right. And we feel depressed and stuff. And, um, imagine giving your 13 year old child or your 13 year old self, imagine what, how you were at 13, 
you know, trying to figure out life and then getting social media where you're now broadcasting to everybody, all of your feelings and pictures and whatever at this completely vulnerable stage. And that's what we're giving our kids is, you know, we're like, Hey, here's your phone, here's social media and go. But they have no way to, and they just haven't been taught how to use it. Right. It's just too young. Yeah. I'm actually listening to a book right now called the red leather diary. And this reporter found a red leather diary that some hotel was throwing out. It had just been sitting in a trunk. Um, but it was from the twenties and this teenager started a diary. It was a five-year diary. And she started when she turned 14 and wrote every day until she was 19. And she found this diary and was reading it. It was like amazed at this girl and then went and found her who's 90 or something at this point and interviews her and gets to know like the backstory. But as she's reading these diary entries, I kind of don't like the book because teenage girls are hard for me to listen to. <laughs> like, it, there's just so much emotion and drama. And this is in a diary in the twenties, you know, and it's only gotten so much worse mm-hmm. with social media and all the other ways to compare yourself and be connected. And so don't read the book unless you like to <laughs> think about what a 15 year old girl thinks about, but, um, but it's so true. It, a bad combination social media and teenagers because now it's not keeping it in a diary right now it's showing the world showing everybody your diary right and then people are going to comment on it and like it or hate it or whatever so it's it's hard stresses me out just thinking about it for them (laughs) and then the third thing is the increased focus on achievement and performance instead of uh character and contribution and i think this kind of varies on where you live like we have relatives in Texas where school is way more intense and starts much younger than it does here in Utah. Like we're still doing preschool is three times a week and kindergarten is still half day just because we have so many kids in Utah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so I think the schooling is not as intense here as it might be in other places. And, but I think probably sports and stuff like people are starting young and, and being involved in extracurriculars young, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do appreciate our neighbors who like ha- have their kids that do chores too, because we're implementing chores. Um, and to our family, we're starting the family, or we did start a few weeks ago, a family economy, um, which we can talk about on another episode. Um, but it has more chores, more responsibilities for your kids to do. And not everybody has that those type of responsibilities in their families. So um, I really love shout out to our neighbor, Karen, who listens to her podcast sometimes. If you're listening, this one's for you. (laughs) Her kids do chores in the morning on Saturdays and aren't allowed to play in the mornings. And I really appreciate that because I, it's the same at our house and I don't want my kids running outside first thing in the mornings on Saturdays when they have responsibilities around the house. So it's nice to be able to have, when you have people around you doing that same thing, you can say, you know what? They can't play anyway. Yeah. You know, let's, it's time for chores rather than so-and-so's outside. And why can't I play? Cause I feel like it's always that comparing, like, mm-hmm. why are we different than these other families? You know? yep. And now for a quick break. 
The heart behind the I'm Mom podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com and when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the I'm On podcast with new episodes every Monday. It does. So this is interesting. The, the initial comment of focused on achievement and performance instead of character and contribution. I'm also listening to uh, John Adams by David McCullough. And um, it was interesting because he was away from his family a lot because he was uh, an ambassador for America and France and England, but he would write his kids letters. And in his letters, he talks about, he really emphasizes with them that I think it's to his daughter specifically. He's writing a letter to his daughter and she's almost marrying age, so like 17 or something. <laughs> um, but he's saying it doesn't matter how rich your husband is. It doesn't matter what he does for a living. Like, Find yourself a good man. Find a find a good person because that's what matters. And it's just like, man, I didn't know that. I mean, I I don't know. I just hadn't thought like if they cared about that sort of thing. But he like he was obsessive about it. Like, be a good person. Find a good husband. Like his focus was definitely on who you are, not how famous you are, how rich you are, what school you go to. Like he, he was always emphasizing to his kids the need to be good instead of be successful. I like that. All right. So now that we know the issues, what can we do about it? So these are, there are three characteristics to help our children self-regulate. And these are all teaching opportunities. These aren't discipline things. These are how we can, help guide our children. Um, so initially I thought kind of like what we said that the, um, the answer would just be to take away stuff, right? Take away the screens, make them play outside and stop doing the extracurricular activities. But that's, yeah. <laughs> but that's not what she said. Um, it's all about moderation and screens and social media are present in our lives. So how can we regulate our emotions in, in other ways. So number one is connection and to connect before you correct. So we're influencing our children as their parents and they are also influencing us. So we have to build the relationships with our children first. So you do that. Um, one of the ways is with calm responses, especially with emotional children you can help them peel back the real reason why they're upset if you stay calm. And I think we've talked about this, but it's so true and hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. When your kid is like yelling at you maniacally for no reason, the temptation is to yell louder and make them stop. But showing them a calm response to a stressful emotional situation is really the solution. Mm -hmm. I was trying to do this the other day with um, Cammy. She was, upset and I could tell she was upset, but I couldn't figure out why. Um, like nothing had really happened that morning and you know, we're out of school. So it's not something happened at school. So 
Um, I had her go up to her room because she just needed a break from the other kids. And I went up and I just kind of talked to her and be like, what's going on? Like, you know, what, what's happening here? And just being able to like talk to her calmly, like she was able to tell me what was bothering her. And it had nothing to do with the other kids. There was just something that was bothering her. And, but it was affecting our whole family because of her attitude. So once we could just talk about that and try to resolve the issue, then her, you know, it was a better overall experience. And she was able to act better after that. They also talked about physical touch, need to give hugs, show them that you're there when they are ready to talk. Um, and focusing on, on your child one-on-one, having conversations with your children is important. Mm-hmm. And she also said it's still important to have consequences for the rules, um, but you can give them without yelling or frustration. So the example she gave was that if you find your kid on their iPad when they're supposed to be getting ready for school, instead of getting all flustered and like, oh, why aren't you getting ready? Then you can put your arm around them and say, hey, that's that's a really fun game. But what you need to be doing is getting ready for school right now. And now this means no iPad later today or whatever the pre-assigned consequences already are that they should already be aware of. And then you can just say to them, sorry, you lost your privileges for today, you know, instead of having to scream at them to hurry up. And the last part of that was to train yourself to see the positive things about your child. And I really like that one a lot because that's something I'm trying to really work on (laughs) instead of in the moment, seeing everything that's wrong, try to look about, look at what's right first, you know, and and remember that your kid is a good kid and they have um, good qualities and good things about their personality. And remember those things before attacking the, the negative thing that's happening. The second big thing to helping your kids deal with the crazy world we live in is communication. We need to help build their emotional and critical thinking skills. So you can do that through asking questions, problem solving, and helping them, having them help solve the problem instead of just lecturing them. Yeah, so if your kid is struggling with something or forgot something, you know, ask them how they can fix the problem. You know, what would they do and, or what should they do next time and help them with that so they can start thinking about how to solve their own problems rather than just us doing it for them. It goes back to like a, a coach mentality, mm-hmm. right? That you're not, your goal isn't to punish your kids when they do bad things. It's to help them do good, like do better in the future. And so lecturing is pretty ineffective helping them solve the problem or walk through the situation is much more effective. Another part of this is to communicate when they're doing positive things rather than making it about their worth. Right. So when they're like, do a nice picture, like a draw picture, instead of saying, you are so talented, you can say, how did, wow, how did you think to do that? Or how did you choose those, those colors? Cause this helps focus on their intrinsic motivation, which is like why they did it, why they did it rather than focusing on the extrinsic motivation. So where they're seeking approval or validation from the world, because mm. that causes usually depression later down the road is when they're always looking for people to tell them that they're, they're great. Right. Mm-hmm. This reminded me of a quote by Jeffrey R. Holland. He says, we must be so careful in speaking to a child, what we say or don't say, how we say it and when is so very, very important in shaping a child's view of himself or herself. And try not to compare your children, even if you think you are skillful at it. You may say most positively that Susan is pretty and Sandra is bright, but all Susan will remember is that she isn't bright and Sandra that she isn't pretty. 
praise each child individually for what that child is and help him or her escape our culture's obsession with comparing, competing, and never feeling we are enough. I just really like that. Um, How we talk about our children and who they are as people affects them long-term. Yeah. I, I, I love that. It's about giving them intrinsic motivation, helping them be their own motivation. I'm doing it because I like it or I enjoy it or it's fun or fulfilling or whatever, instead of I need other people to say I'm great to be happy. Mm-hmm. Huge. So important. And finally, the last thing to help them um, self-regulate is capability building. So these are life skills around the house and also emotional skills. 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 Help them get the skills. <laughs> Girls want guys with skills. <laughs> yes. Nunchuck skills. Computer hacking skills. Can't remember. It's been too long. Rush <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Our kids actually, I think they asked the other day if they could watch that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we didn't. I think it was like too late or something, but I'm like. Oh, it's never too late. <laughs> they could watch that. I don't know if they'd like it, but. <laughs> Very few people do the first time. Yeah, so true. Um, but it's important that your kids are contributing to their home and to the world and that they're learning how to do that. Um, and to remember that they are works in progress who, who grow and change um, over time. And so these are skills to help them build. Um, and as I mentioned, we're doing the family economy right now, which is helping to give them those skills. At least we're hoping. <laughs> we're just starting. So no we'll, skills. we'll tell you in 10 years. But uh, <laughs> Episode 54. <laughs> Is that in 10 years? No. So to kind of wrap things up, I like the question that um, Rachel asked at the end of the podcast. She said, um, next time your child is misbehaving, instead of asking, why won't they do what I want? Ask, why can't they do what I want? And this is how you help them learn to self-regulate by already um, creating that connection with your child, um, by communicating with them calmly, and also um, helping them work through the problem, help them problem solve. And then the third one, um, make sure that they're learning the skills around the house and these emotional skills by working with them. I think overall this, a lot of the things that we talked about today reminded me of our last episode about how to be a happier parent when it's more about the coaching and the guiding. This feels very similar to me. So I thought that was all about being a happier parent. And this is all about helping your child be happier and self-regulated. So that's the nice thing about it is as you help your child be able to self-regulate, you're also happier. So it's a win-win. Like everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that it's not too surprising, right? Because a lot of your happiness as a parent is related to how your kids are doing and how you're interacting with your kids and how you feel about each other. And so it makes sense. But it's nice that those two things lined up. When you work on one, you're going to help the other two. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found some helpful tips. You can follow us and should follow us on Instagram at PIRL Podcast or Lorkeet Sisters. You can tweet us. I'm at Alan T. Tanner. And I'm at Alexis Tanner 1. You can also find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash P-I-R-L. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rating. We, I 
think generally are found because people either search parenting or people tell other people about it. So if you know a parent that you think could benefit from laughing a little bit about parenting and maybe learning some things about parenting, share our podcast. That's where how I find all the podcasts I listen to is by people saying, oh, this is good. So anyways, podcasts are becoming more popular. I heard someone today just be like, oh, you should listen to this podcast, you know? So when people are asking, hey, what's a good parenting podcast? Give a little plug in. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. Thanks. (laughs) We appreciate it. And as always, a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.